Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to Lucky Star instructor Stacy Wooster. Stacy demystifies ancient wellness practices and unfolds them in ways anyone can access. She infuses her work with acceptance, humor, and understanding, and encourages her clients and students to cultivate cheerness and a sense of curiosity about themselves. Stacy creates a comfortable space for students of all abilities to explore the union of the body, breath, and mind, conjoined with the healing nature of the earth. She delights in nature and gardening, enjoying time with her family and friends, finding focused time on her yoga mat or a sweaty workout in the gym, collaging her way through her daily journal, and sipping nourishing infusions developed in her apothecary. Stacy enthusiastically returns to Lucky Star, ready to embrace a holistic approach to life with you. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy Wooster. We are supported by Girl Guitar. Girl Guitar is a female-owned and operated Austin-based business offering private and group music classes for women and teenage girls. Voted Austin's Best Music Instruction by the Austin Chronicle Readers Poll, this is not your typical music class. There are performance opportunities, bands forming, songwriting workshops, and even yoga retreats. And you don't even have to live in Austin to participate because they offer in-person and online classes as well. Right now, Girl Guitar is offering $25 off a group class with code LUCKYSTARPODCASTRULES. For more information on Girl Guitar, visit www.girlguitaraustin.com. Hello, Stacy. How are you? Hi, Lisa. Doing great. Glad to be here with you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. It's been so long. It really has. Yeah. I think the last lucky star I was at was 2018. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, oh, maybe maybe 2019. You. Yeah, maybe 2019. Yeah, I feel like maybe 2019 you were there. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've missed you so much. So, I missed y'all too. I want to give everyone a chance to get to know you and um, give you a chance to tell everyone about the class you're going to be sharing and also the other extra that we're sharing this year and um, let's just start with where'd you grow up uh well I was born in Austin um we lived here until I was 12 and then moved to the Chicago area and I have um equal love for both cities eventually I moved back to Texas because um you can't ever really take the Texas out of a Texas girl (laughs) so (laughs) here I am living in Pflugerville now how long have you guys been in Pflugerville? Um, we've been here five years. Before that, we lived in Round Rock. So the Austin okay. area for about 18, 19 years in the Austin area. Cool. Okay. So what did you tell me about life before Pflugerville, before moving back to Texas? Tell me about your life in Chicago as a child. Well, the first thing I think of is a down coat. <laughs> you know, it's, a down coat. It's, it's still different. a legit winter. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Um, 
I don't know. I really loved the changing of the seasons. Um, October was always one of my favorite months because of how the, how the trees change, Um, you know, all the different colors of the foliage. Um, And so that was middle school and high school. Middle school, of course, is awkward for everyone. And um, high school was fun. Um, Yeah, it was, it was really college that brought me back to Texas. I wanted to go, um, by mountains or ocean. And so I ended up in Corpus uh, to be by the ocean. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Corpus. Mm-hmm. yeah I remember that. Yeah. So what did you study? Well, I studied history. Um, and I think it's something I'm, it's something that's had ties throughout my whole life because I like to study patterns and trends and how things link together, um, which I see in my career all the time is how do you get from point A to point B? And it just used my mind in a way that um, it's easier to go in the past and see those kinds of trends and then be able to see it from the present onwards. You can kind of make predictions from, from there. So um, And also I had to write a lot doing uh, being a history major. So I really do enjoy writing Um, and it's fun to research things and kind of dig in and, um, and analyze things. Uh, I like that, that part of my brain just as much as I like the creative part. Oh yeah. You're so you're like a lifelong learner. I mean, ever since I first met you, which gosh, when did we meet? Like maybe 2014, Around we then, yeah. The first was, year? You mm-hmm. weren't here for the first year of Lucky yeah, Star, were you? I was, yeah, you I were. did the first year, yeah. Okay, so 2013, like, you are always studying something, like getting that next level of certification, or I, I just feel like you're definitely one of those lifelong learners that I love. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love to bring it into teaching because I like to inspire curiosity in people, make them curious about learning more, help them get resourced and up level. Um, yeah, definitely a lifelong learner. I'll never quit. So what did you do after college? After college, I became a massage therapist. And originally I had wanted to become an acupuncturist, but I was still living in Corpus and there's not a school there for that. So I was thinking, what kind of healing art modality can I get into? And massage therapy happened to be it. Um, I moved to Austin with my husband and discovered yoga at that point and thought, well, these are a great combination, (laughs) you know, with massage, you're working, um, you're helping to work out things in people's bodies that they need help with, but yoga teaches them to do it for themselves. Um, So I feel like they're a really good combo. Definitely. So I've got to get back into practicing yoga. I miss it so much. It's, it's crazy. Like the older I get the, it's like my wrists. I have problems like issues like arthritis in my thumbs and wrists. And so I've got to work through that. I mean, like starting back in my mind, it's like, I know that I have to deal with that issue, which is tough. I mean, it it means I have to like roll up the mat and, you know, really cushion things. And it's, it's painful. It's painful. And it makes me mad. I need to try to 
do more like standing yoga, you know, or change it up some. But yeah, you know, if with your wrists, you can roll the edge of your yoga mat and put the heel of your hand on that and uh-huh. it'll lift it up. So it's not as compressed if you are in a tabletop position yeah. or a down dog. That's what I've got to learn to do and just be consistent with it so that they don't start hurting. Cause once they start hurting and then I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I may do it for like two weeks and then I'm done. And then it's starting all over again. You know, yeah. It's hard stress. to get back into it, but totally. luckily it's like riding a bike. You can, you can get past that bump. So did you, when did you start teaching yoga? I started teaching yoga the first time in 2005, but not seriously until 2007. So I've been seriously teaching for the last 15 years. Oh, wow. That's a great, I mean, that's a long time, Stacey. It really is. really cool. I've done other things during that time, but yoga is something that I always come back to. Yeah. So have you consistently just kept a couple classes for the last 15 years or have you done stints where you haven't taught at all? How, how does that work? Well, I mostly have taught consistently during that 15 years. Um, I did take a break the first two years that I was um, teaching K one because I taught mm, as an yeah. elementary school teacher and those first two years, I really wanted to focus on making sure that, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you know, it's hard work being a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, when you teach K-1, you're teaching the the foundational blocks for all of the learning that they'll go through in those 12, 13 years before they graduate. So it's, it's really such a crucial time. So I did take a break, but I taught them. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, we did kids classes. Oh, that's cool. So you started out with massage therapy after college. And then you introduced yoga into the mix. Then when did apothecary come in? It was when my middle daughter was shortly after she was born. Um, I started studying um, herbalism in 2011. And a lot of it was because I was so tired and I felt a real need to be nourished. Like I wasn't getting everything that I needed. You know, she was my second pregnancy. And so by the time I went through all of that process, I just really needed to bolster my body so that I could be there for my kids and for, and show up for myself. Um, so I decided to do at first, it was just body care products. Like I was like, okay, I'll learn how to make some nice lotions. I was thinking maybe I need a bath. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's a relaxation time, but right. Um, but then as I decided to go through the program, I learned like how much we can really help our bodies a lot of the times at the level of food. So it's not, um, you know, huge adaptations in the body. It's just supporting it for its own innate healing nature. Cool. So you started out making more like beauty. And healthcare, like, um, like, are we talking like lotions and oils? That yeah, sort of lotions thing? and oils. Um, one of my favorites was my lavender oil that I used to make. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. yes. Do I remember that one? Yeah. I still have the, the tiniest remnant in one bottle that I'm like, 
coveting, making it last as long as possible. And you know what else I absolutely loved? And I feel like every time I used it, it gave me like the power to heal whatever was ailing me at that time. But that was your fire water. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really has a a kick. (laughs) You got to be ready. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a traditional recipe by um, Rosemary Gladstar from the 70s. And so it's a it's a community herbal recipe. And there's some interesting stories around that because there was a company that tried to trademark it. And there was kind of an uproar in the in the herbal community because everyone felt like it belonged to the public. Um, and it was yeah. that was Rosemary Gladstar's original intention with it. And I I think it's truly powerful. If you are starting to feel a little bit under the weather, it's got horseradish and um, ginger, um, peppers, spicy peppers, garlic, um, honey. I would always use herbs for my garden. Um, I especially had an affinity for basil because it helps with coughs and, um, you know, kind of healing that that throat. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. I don't know about your kids, but. Both of mine, and I blame Roger. <laughs> like it's his genes, I'm sure. <laughs> like, oh, like RSV as tiny babies that made it where they had like this awful cough that would come, and it would just stick around. And it seems like it would come every winter. You know, I guess it was during the winter. But it was so hard on those babies. And like, it was hard on me too, because it was coughing all night long. And like, I would try everything, you know, I was trying to give them, and at a certain point, you know, when they were old enough to give them honey, I was doing that. Oh, I was doing the, um, oh, what do you put on there? The Vicks vapor rub yeah. on the feet, you know, and then socks and like all the things, <laughs> anything. I was like this close to do like, a legit hot toddy, <laughs> anything, please like help me. Because there's another, there's another the remedy. Cough, it's just, yeah. It's, it's so hard. It's really, it's tough when you're, when you're a parent and you're, you know that you want to help your kid and it's hard because you can't do very much. There's another remedy that helps with cough. Um, it's stinky, but um, <laughs> it's effective. <laughs> um, you can take uh, an onion like a yellow onion and, and dice it up and saute it. Mm-hmm. And you want it just to be translucent, not caramelized. And then you can pull it out and put it in a tea towel or several coffee filters. If it has some extra oil, you can put a little flour or cornmeal in it. And then you put mm-hmm. that poultice on their chest or on their back. Like if you're holding mm-hmm. them, you can put it on their back. And so, like mm-hmm. I said, you would have a smelly baby, but <laughs> but. <laughs> A smelly baby that's not coughing. Yeah. So yeah, bad. but it just helps bring that bring that mucus up. So interesting. Yeah. See, I love stuff like this. So in I think it was fifth grade. I can't remember what book we had to read, but it was when I was first introduced to the term wildcrafting. And I was mesmerized. And it was about some people who lived in like the Smoky Mountains, Tennessee, you know, really like woodsy. And and this was something that this girl's grandma 
did for their family and their community. And it was so, like, I really was interested in that and still am. So when I um, met you and heard that you were doing things with herbs and um, especially, you know, things that are able to help people heal and deal too, right? I mean, like, that's like, that could be a new class, heal and deal. (laughs) It's true. I know we kind of need that, right? (laughs) But yeah, it's just, you know, I feel like the earth has what we need. It's just a matter of us tapping into it. Obviously, you know, we need modern medicine for lots of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I love utilizing what is here in nature because our bodies can communicate with those plants, those herbs, those things that uh, were made here with us, you know. And so this all interests me very much. And I, I love what you're doing. So tell me, like, when you got involved with herbalism and you started learning about that what like sparked this desire to start a business around it and start making product and selling products tell me about how all that happened yeah so it was it was another addition to my massage and yoga practice because I like to Um, look at the clients that I'm working with holistically, like how can I support them in different ways? How can I teach them to support themselves? And so it was, it was kind of an extension from that. Um, When I was studying herbalism, my teacher was very, um, very into bioregionalism. So what you're saying about this connection with the earth and the plants Mm -hmm. around us, um, bioregionalism is when you, look at what's in your bioregion, what grows there, what life is there. And if you think about, you know, you asked me what's different about Chicago. Well, you know, it's a different climate, um, different things grow there. And sometimes it's similar plants. Like I've seen yarrow growing here. I've seen yarrow growing in Wyoming. You know, there's some plants that grow in both places, but there's other plant um, plants that have more of an affinity for an area. Like for example, cactus grows here. Well, if you cut open a cactus, you can use the inside of cactus to um, like if you have a sunburn or you want to make a lotion, um, you know, it's kind of like aloe vera. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nourishing for the skin. Um, You know, there's certain. Lots of people eat it here, too, in South Texas, especially. I mean, it's on the menu all the time. It's really probably has a lot of vitamin C. Yeah. And it's, it's that, that juiciness and it, um, it's a little bit slimy, demulcent, mm-hmm. like aloe vera mm-hmm. is. Like and, mm-hmm. and so it has that soothing quality of, um, kind of moisturizing the digestive tract. And if you think about how hot it's been and how hot it typically is in Texas in the summertime, we need moisture anywhere we can get it, whether it's uh, on yeah. our skin from the inside. Yeah. So it's a very nourishing plant for us. It's funny you brought up cactus, you know, prickly pear here, our native cactus here in Texas, prickly pear. I posted a photo on the Lucky Star Instagram the other day 
And I don't know if you were there the year that Rena taught um, that burn and spit. Oh, yeah. Like class, the Lazy Susans and the little tabletops. Um, but we got to use a pear burner. And so many people got on there and they were like, what in the heck? Why would you need to burn pears? You know? <laughs> it's a pear burner. And I'm like, okay, here is where my country girl experience really pays off. So, you know, you were talking about needing moisture and needing like cattle ranchers use a pear burner to burn the spines off of the prickly pear cactus so that the cattle can eat it when they're depleted of grass, you know, there's no grass in the winter or in a drought situation. I mean, like right now we haven't had, well, we've just gotten rain recently. In, like the last two days it's been raining. It's glorious. It's been raining but here too. Oh, it's Absolutely wonderful. amazing. But before that, we had not had much rain at all this year and things were really getting rough outside. But you know what? The prickly pear is thriving. And so they burn the spines off and the cattle can eat it and it helps keep them alive and nourished during those either cold winter months or during a drought situation. So that was kind of a fun story to go along with what you were talking about. That's awesome. I've never used a pear burner. Um, I know that prickly pear, you have to be very careful harvesting it if you... Um, you know, or, or plucking it yourself. Yeah, like, I use tongs. Yeah, tongs. Yeah. <laughs> tongs and gloves. Yep. Yep. So what other what other native plants have you used for your apothecary? Let's see. I think one of my favorite plants is yarrow. I mentioned about how it grows. Like I've seen it all over the place. Mm-hmm. You talked about wild crafting. Um, so wild crafting, I'll come back to yarrow in just a second, but wild crafting is when you see something out, just as for the public, um, you know, when you see something out in the wild and you harvest it from its natural environment, it's not gardened, it's um, not cultivated on a farm or anything like that. Um, wild crafting should be done sustainably. So if you see what's called a plant stand, which is like a grouping of plants. So if you kind of you know, squat down or scan the horizon, you can see like the patterns of the plants and how they grow. And so a plant stand would be like a larger area where those are clustered together. So if you ever see a plant stand in your wild crafting, you should never take more than 10% because you want that area to be able to regenerate itself. So you would harvest from there and then you would find another plant stand and you could continue with your harvest and then just also note, is that a place that only you go? Is it a place where you can see other visitors have been? So that way we get to keep these plants. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So um, yeah. but my favorite is yarrow. I, I've cultivated it in my garden and I've seen it growing in the wild. Um, in 2011, we had a lot of drought too. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It had started getting oh, yeah. like over 100, I think it was in May. And it was just, we just didn't have rain. So even by, even by February, it was dry and, and into March, it was dry. And I can, I remember seeing yarrow pop up a little bit early. And when it first grows, it's got these fern-like leaves. Um, They're real cute. (laughs) I I love them. them. I love the plants. They're like my friends. They're kind of lacy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then it has these big, long um, stems. And then at the top, there's like a shield of white flowers. There's clusters of white flowers. Um, So yarrow, um, it's a blood mover or it's um, or a blood stopper. So if you're bleeding, you could take some and just chew it up kind of make a little poultice, you know, mash it up and then put it on whatever's bleeding and it will stop the bleeding. Um, Mm. What I mean by a blood mover is it's especially effective if you have a head injury. And so you could take some yarrow tincture and it just helps the blood to do what it's supposed to do for your healing. Um, Interesting. I've used it a lot with women after childbirth. Mm. Um. And then the flower essence itself. So flower essences are using the energetic quality of the plant and it has a protective nature. So I mentioned the cluster of flowers looks kind of like a shield. It's like a white shield. Mm -hmm. And so you can think Mm -hmm. of that as kind of like a shield of white light. Um, You know, if you're going through a lot of things, yarrow is a good one to take to just kind of when we, you know, that feeling when we feel porous, like we're, yeah we just feel kind of porous. So, um, it's, it's a, just a protective layer. Interesting. Um, and the stems, it has history too. The stems were used for, um, the I Ching and, um, do you know what that is? It's where it's a predictive measure, Chinese predictive measure with the sticks and how they lay out and they would use it to like read the read the arrow stems so i don't Arrows know it's got, it's got a lot of cool little facts it's, about it it's a it's woo it's got a lot of woo woo yeah, yeah yeah but i mean it's really effective as a medicine too it's one of the ones that like i'm running low and i'm like getting a little nervous <laughs> like better get some more um because yeah. i like to keep that tincture around it's also antimicrobial so you know if you have an infection it's good for that it's just one of my favorite all around herbs. Now, is it something that you can dry and make a tea from? You could. It doesn't taste fantastic. It tastes medicine-y. If I was, let's see, if I was drinking as a tea, it depends on what you're going for. Like right now, a good tea would be something with one of the mints in it. I would lean more towards peppermint rather than, or not peppermint, um, spearmint rather than peppermint because peppermint can, um, it can make you sweat. So it could, you know, actually cool you down, but um, spearmint's a little bit lighter. Um, So spearmint mixed with hibiscus petals, hibiscus petals supports the cardiovascular system and it's very tonic. Like it has that kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> with, um, yeah, I love hibiscus tea. Yeah. And maybe some lemongrass, um, because lemongrass would give it that little, that little tang, you know, um, oh, that yeah. little like lemony kind of flavor, which tastes great with, um, with mint. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a great tea. I think I would like that one hot or on ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good both ways. Yeah. Okay, so what have you been doing lately? I know you talked about teaching. Tell me about your teaching experience. What were you, what were you teaching, and what did you? Um, how how long did that last? And yeah, did you like so it? 
I, I did. I So I, I taught K-1 for the last four years. I've just recently stepped away from teaching elementary school. I'm actually working on my MBA right now, about halfway through oh, it. Cool. Um, and I really loved teaching K-1. Um, the pandemic was exceptionally hard <laughs> to teach oh, yeah. that age. Um, teaching them online, I basically had to turn myself into a cartoon character so that I can keep their attention because I'm trying to keep them in their room so their parents can work and do life. And just, you know, we're all trying to just make it through. And um, and so I'm largely teaching yoga right now and working on my MBA. And um, I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, I've recently been asked to um, be a teacher trainer for the 300 hour program that my studio or my um, the studio that I work at um, Mm because I've done a lot of teacher training over the years. I had a prenatal yoga school for quite some time. And so um, teaching yoga teachers is a passion for me, too. Oh, that's awesome. So has that begun? The 300 hour is. is being approved by Yoga Alliance right now, and we expect to start it in January or February of next year. Oh, cool. So you're working on your MBA for the most part right now. That's so yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting. I, I finished half of it in the last eight months, so <laughs> it's kind of charging through. Charging through as... A mom who also works and also does this, that, and the other can do, right? Right, right. Okay, well, you're back this year to teach classes at Lucky Star, and I'm so excited. What do you have to offer our campers this year? So Roots and Remedy is the half-day class that I'm offering And we will be doing a combination of different modalities. So first, we'll start off with some gentle movements just to kind of sense out the body. Um, We'll move into meditation. And um, I do like to tell people, like, don't be scared of meditation. When I first started meditating, um, I was taking an Eastern spirituality, Western thought class. It was in college. It was a philosophy class and it always started. It was like a two and a half hour class, but we always started with meditation. And I can remember kind of like peering through my eyelashes at people being like, she brought a pillow. She's smart. You know, like, but, but I thought what I thought meditation was, was that you're like, your mind is totally clear that you're not thinking that maybe your soul is about to float off into the ether, into utopia, Um, you know, like that's what it is. But really what it is, is a tool for resilience of kind of training our minds and bringing it back to um, back to like this experience, back to the present moment. So following that, we'll make a meditation journal because it's one thing to do meditation at a retreat and then go back into your life and, you know, forget what happened and just like, you know, not forget what happened, but forget how to do it and use right. it as a tool in your life. And so um, the meditation journal will include some prompts so that it's not so hard to, to try and keep the practice going. Um, and then from there, we'll be making some products like we'll be making some tea. There'll be a, a class tea that we can sip on. We'll make our own tea. 
Um, and we'll also make some, some bath salts and some scrubs. So we'll get to do a little self-care and have a takeaway for, um, for bringing home. That's awesome. So I also want to um, mention that starting, don't be afraid of starting off with the gentle movement, knowing that Stacy is a yoga instructor. That doesn't mean that you're going to be suddenly thrown into this vinyasa flow class and you're going to be like having to do serious yoga. When she says, you know, they're just starting out with some gentle movement. Like, will you explain that, Stacey? Sure, yeah. So it's it's really more so that we feel good in our bodies. I When I teach yoga, I'm trying to encourage a sense of ease in the body because I, I feel like when we embody that ease, it carries over into other parts of our lives. So I do always check in with students first. I want to make sure that if there are injuries or points of pain that people are working with, um, because I am a yoga therapist, um, that I'm addressing those and giving options. So it's not like we're going to just put our hands on the floor and kick our feet up in a handstand or something right. like that. They're going to be gentle movements where you kind of work out the kinks in your spine and, you know, your shoulders start to lower away from your ears. So you have a little more room in your neck, those kinds of movements right. that assist with us feeling good. And for anyone who can't get up and down easily from the floor, you can also stand or sit in a chair. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a way to adapt just about any yoga pose for, for what we need it to be. It's, it's supposed to be your body. Exactly. Don't let the yoga or the meditation part scare you off from this amazing class. So what, what kinds of, you know, like, I know you said they'll be making tea and also, I mean, this is kind of like a, almost like a setting you up for relaxation because you could have a cup of tea when you get home from the tea that you made, and then you can have a nice hot bath and use the bath salts. So this is all about self-care and wellness, health, wellness, self-care. So what is it about self-care? And you mentioned this earlier when we first started that, I mean, it was even back in college when you realized that you wanted to go the self-care healing modalities route. What is it that really sparked your interest there? I think some of it was that I needed that. I think in the beginning, I think some of it was, was things that I needed, like I needed a movement practice um, so that I could actually be in my body. There's a a sense of presence um, when you are embodied and in order to not just be in my mind. um, And then the meditation piece is, it's just a recentering over and over again of kind of coming back. So um, things like, ruminating thoughts or, you know, where we're kind of thinking too far ahead or drifting back into the past, it brings us back to the present moment. So I think some of it was just, I needed to be present in my own life. And that's where um, some of this interest came to be. And then I realized how much it helped me. I wanted to share that. Can you think of a person or an experience that you think has most influenced your life, your career path, the way that you think? 
Well, um, I mean, there's been many people that have, that have inspired me along the way. Um, the first time when I was, when I was doing massage, the first time that I realized that massage and yoga were a good pairing, there was a woman that I met in Corpus and she had, um, I don't know, this cool backbend thing. I, I think it's actually a Pilates tool, um, that she was using. And I was like, what is this cool thing? What are you doing here? And, uh, and so, um, her name was Gretchen. And, um, I just remember being like, wait, you can make a career out of this. Like, it's just, I didn't realize that that was like an option. Um, so there was her. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I think one of my most influential yoga teachers is Donna Farhi. Um, and I can remember reading her book, bringing yoga to life. And she talks a lot about the yoga philosophy. So here in the West, people often will associate yoga with um, yoga asana, which is the asana means pose. So it's the the physical practice, but there's actually so many different layers to yoga, um, incorporating ways to live like the yamas and the niyamas, um, the yogic philosophy behind it of what, what you're trying to do to still the mind. Um, there's so many layers to it. And the body often is the entry point for people to get into yoga, which is why asana is effective. Um, but Donna Farhi, in her bringing yoga to life, I can remember my husband's family used to have these huge gatherings. I mean, we're talking 50 plus people because he has uncles out the wazoo and cousins everywhere. And so it's, I'm more of an introverted person. I like people a lot, but at the same time, I need those moments where I can kind of withdraw into myself. And so I would withdraw into this book occasionally um, for that weekend. And she was talking about concepts of, well, one that sticks out is being friendly to the unfriendly. Um, I can't remember the the Sanskrit words for it, but I remember that concept of being friendly to the unfriendly because it's easy to be friendly to the friendly. It's not easy to be friendly to the unfriendly. <laughs> That's a practice in itself. And then oh, yeah. another concept that she would talk about is Santosha, which means contentment. And so it's being able to to find a sense of contentment, even if we are striving for something, being okay, just being okay. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny, I was just talking to my 13-year-old on the way home from school after she was telling me a story. And we had this conversation about being friendly to the unfriendly, you know, and how that elevates you and ultimately makes you feel better about yourself. And I mean, you can only hope that it obviously would make the other person feel better about themselves as well. So, okay. Well, I, I ask this of every single person that I interview for the podcast because it's just a fun thing and it's part of Lucky Star. So if you had something to show and tell, what would you, what would that be right now? I think it would be the paintings that I did at the very first Lucky Star. Um, Ooh, whose class? So it was Juliet Crane's Whimsical Animals. Oh. 
and I made three different paintings um, that were actually kind of layered collages um, because I was using tissue paper and washi tape and paints and pastels and all kinds of stuff. Um, But they were my children. They were whimsical animals as my children. And so I think if I was just to pick something that I would want to show and tell right now, it would be that because it was also my start with Lucky Star. And I remember after that retreat, I was floating on cloud nine for months. Um, I just had reawoken something in myself where like I've always been artistic in a way. Um, I've never really considered myself an artist, but um, I think that we all are in our way. But after that retreat, I was like, I can do things. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of crafty. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really fun. And then all the connection and, of course, the awesome food, you know, was just like really like nourished and felt really connected with people that I like I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. And Oh, yeah. That's my favorite part is the connections that last beyond camp, you know, beyond those few days. And I mean, really, they've lasted through the years. I mean, like, I I guarantee you anything you post on social media or any of that, there's a lucky star gal there to cheer you on. It's true. It's so true. Did you want to talk about the astrology real quick? Oh, yes, please do. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks for reminding me. I'll be offering an extra um, astrology readings and we'll be looking at your big three. So that's your sun, which is, I like to think of it as how divinity shines through us. And that's the sign that people most likely know about themselves. Um, Sometimes people's sun signs don't maybe align with what they think about of when they think of themselves. And that could be because there's other things going on in the chart. So the moon is our internal self. Um, So it's how we might express our emotions. It's where only people who really know us well, we let them in um, to that part of ourselves. And then there's also the rising sign. Um, The rising sign is, um, it's kind of what people see first and it sets up the entire chart. Um, it's where the planet was positioned. So say you were born in Austin, Texas. Well, where was that pointing out towards the stars? What's constellation? Where was it? Um, And it changes about every two hours throughout the day. So it is important for people to have their birth time and the location because it's different in Austin than it would be in Alaska. Um, So, um, yeah, I, I feel like astrology is just another tool to understand ourselves Sometimes we need that affirmation of why we are the way that we are, why we feel the way that we feel. And so um, it's a it's a nice overview of, you know, these are some very big parts of ourselves. Oh, yeah. So you'll be offering this as an extra, which just means that it won't take place during class time in the morning or the afternoon, but it'll be more like. Um, a one hour session, 45 minute session. I'm going to do them in 20 minutes, um, 20 minute. Yeah. 20 minute. That means a lot more people will be. Yeah. It's, it's always really popular. It's a popular service. And I find that people are often asking me, 
you know, can you squeeze me in? <laughs> you know, and so right. I wanted to make sure that people, you know, were able to to at least get a taste. And if they if they want more, you know, I'm available to do that, you know, after camp. But this way, at least people get introduced to these deeper parts of themselves and 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 get a little bit of reassurance that that they're they're meant to be that way. They're meant to be who they are. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so if you are interested in um, astrology with Stacy, that service will give you the opportunity to sign up for it at camp and in advance as well. So she'll probably post something in the Lucky Star Galaxy or put out an email or something about it. Yeah, I'll post in the galaxy because it's easier for me to be able to print the chart ahead of time. And so I I will post in it. Um, They do tend to fill up pretty quick. Um, So we'll just see what what the interest level is in it. But I'll definitely post in Lucky Star Galaxy. That'll be perfect. So Stacey, where can people find out about yoga classes that you have going on? Where can people find you? So right now, I only have my LinkedIn active. My website is being worked on. Um, And so that's a way to connect with me. Um, I haven't been on Facebook much, but I'm um, about to head on over there so that that way I can be involved in the Lucky Star um, Galaxy Um, group. Yeah. So I'm going to head back in. I I stopped using Facebook in October of 2020. It was just too much. Too much. (laughs) Everything was too much. And in that fall of 2020, I was like, I need to preserve my energy in a way. So, um, but I do have a page there that I will be opening up soon too. Um, So yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely, the campers that are working with me, I'll definitely give them contact information. And like I said, my website will be up soon. That's awesome. What is your LinkedIn? Do you have it? Do you know? Um, it's LinkedIn backslash in backslash Stacy Wooster. Um, Stacy okay. with the Y, Wooster, like rooster, but with a W instead of an R. Awesome. And I will post that in the show notes of the podcast too for everyone. So thank you so much. It's been so awesome to get to talk to you and reconnect. And even though it's just been a couple of years, I've missed you so much. And I know everyone's going to be thrilled to have you back at camp. You have the best energy, the best smile, and you're just one of those people that make people feel good. And I (laughs) I can't wait to have you and your energy back back in the mix. Yes, thank you, Lisa. I can't wait to see you in person so I can give you a big hug. I know, me too. All right, bye. Bye. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www.luckystarartcamp.com or find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.